Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Edison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I'm Josh Edison. Sitting next to me, as you might expect, is Dr. M. R. X. Dentith. Now, there have been two electoral upsets in the last day or so. One uh, was the Australian government. The other, much more interesting, of course, is Eurovision. Did you watch Eurovision? No, because the state of Israel and the relationship with the Palestinian territories was a contentious issue for Eurovision this year, so I didn't watch it. Indeed, and I understand there was a bit of a bit of a ban on any sort of political messaging in the in the performances as well. So yes, I understand it, but not not nearly as contentious as the fact that Norway. Sorry. You're going to say win. that Norway's not winning is more contentious than the Palestinian territories. That is exactly what I'm saying. Well, this is awkward. Mm. Uh, but no, the, the Netherlands won and their song was rubbish, is what I'm saying. Couldn't even read, like, we heard, heard, heard they won and we're like, which song was the Netherlands song? And then heard it sung again. And we're like, yeah, it's not ringing any bells. Forgettable bollocks, that's what I say. That's Eurovision in a nutshell. Well, but this was especially... Well, I mean, like, Lordy won one year. The the Scandinavian people dressed up as monsters metal band. Like, sometimes... Last year, it was the reason why it's hosted in Israel, of course, is because the winner of the previous year hosts the next year's competition. So last year was the Israeli singer whose song involved clucking like a chicken. So they do... It's, it's not always boring middle-of-the-road bollocks, but this now, time it very much was. To get us away from talk of Eurovision and back to a much more important political upset, such as the Australian one, did Australia have a entry in the competition this year? They did, because they, they do... I, well, I, I can't remember the... I think it's just because Eurovision was a, a really big in Australia, and Australia sort of got invited to be on one year, and then they just gave oh, them... No. Australia petitioned to oh, join petitioned, Eurovision for a long time. Eurovision has no relationship no. to the European Union, or indeed Europe. It's a brand name, and anyone can enter as long as they're willing to stump up the fees. Mm. And Australia now regularly competes in Eurovision, as they do in general elections. And what an upset that turned it out was. to be. I'll be honest, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it um, until afterwards when everyone's like, oh, Labour didn't win and we all thought they were going to. Yeah, and people did. I mean, someone actually put down a one million US dollar bet at Ladbrokes on the notion that Labour were going to win the election. In fact, actually one of the betting agencies, because you can bet on elections in Australia. Mm. What a wonderful Why country not? that is. Uh, one of the betting agencies actually paid out mm. two days in advance because they're going, well, punters think Labour's going to romp home with 81 seats easily, so why wait for the election? We'll pay out now. Mm. And then the coalition government seems to have actually swung the election after all, which is a bad sign for everything, including the Australian environment. Because even though Scott Morrison admits climate change is occurring, he doesn't want there to be any economically detrimental effects so they're not going to do anything to stop it. Yep. Because I'd rather you have cheap power prices than a world to live in 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 25 years' time. Mm. Uh, But at least Tony Abbott got the boot, so that was nice. I heard, well, not literally, figuratively, but graphically on TV. Yes, apparently I've seen a clip from an Australian news show where where their choice of graphics for showing things was to have the sort of the person's face in a little box on a sort of a stand, and then when it turned out Tony Abbott had lost his seat, a literal CGI robotic-looking sort of boot swung down 
and kicked his thing off camera, as it were. <laughs> so kicked his thing yeah, off Kicked his thing camera. off camera. Kicked wow, it right that's off. Uh, Australian political commentary. They don't mess really around raw. in Australia, it's no. Really, really raw. You know, we should get onto a bit of old political commentary by going to the news. And this week, it's all news. All news all the time. All the time. For a rationale which I like to call... Josh is an unreliable bastard, Joshua. That's that's not unfair. Yes, no. My my hectic lifestyle has meant I wasn't around for the usual recording time this week. Uh, nor will I be next week? So we're mixing things up a little bit. And by mixing things up, we've got a trove of news mm. which we're going to dive into with a bit of a sting right now. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories. In the news. Yes, so this week the the news section and the main content section are the same section. It's all a grand unification. It's an all-encompassing conspiracy, starting off with Julian Assange. Good old Julian Assange. Australian, don't you? Australian. There we go. It's all related. So, yeah, so I understand now he is in custody in London, is he? Because he was initially he, picked he up for bail in jumping. Chokey, yes, he's mm. in Chokey for 50 weeks for bail jumping. I don't know the sentence, I just know that, yeah, it was bail jumping initially, but now apparently uh, the Swedish authorities are looking to reopen the rape case that he was initially being pursued for, which yes. is why. Now, he remember, first... there were two allegations mm. of rape, the one of which has basically expired due to a statute of limitation in Sweden but one of which actually will expire in 2020. Swedish prosecutors have basically reopened the case and they would like Mr. Assange to go to Stockholm for questioning. And this is leading to what might be a bit of a diplomatic furore. Mm. I don't know whether I pronounce that correctly. I don't actually know. Furor? Yeah, furor. Maybe. I've heard these. Fiore. It sounds a bit more exotic and European, yes. Uh, in the UK, because of course there are now competing extradition requests one from Sweden, one from the US, and certain MPs in the British government are saying, well, the Swedish allegations are older and they also run out sooner, so natural justice means Assange should go to Sweden. But of course, if you're tossing up between being pally with one country or another, you might choose big old superpower United mm. States of America rather than good old Scandinavian Sweden, mm. which might be a lovely socialist democratic country, but isn't one of your biggest pals when it comes to invading other countries. Mm. Although it did come down to the Netherlands and Sweden in the Eurovision contest. I wish no more of this Eurovision talk. Okay, so, yeah... um, Again, it's it's just such a a fraught case of, of... um, competing sort of thing. You know, Julian Assange, definitely a bit of a dick. That doesn't mean that he's not being unfairly persecuted in some areas, but the, the fact that he's being unfairly pursued in some areas doesn't mean he's not being unfairly pursued for some of the other allegations against him. It's all just such a such a quagmire. I guess all we can sit back and do is sit back and see what happens next. And one can't help but think that in a choice of countries which are liable to extradite you to the US the UK or Sweden, the UK has a much longer history of extraditing mm. people to the US than the Swedes do. Maybe he should have just gone to Stockholm, answered that particular case, 
it's not likely it would have been prosecuted because even though Sweden being a much more utopic socialist democratic country than many others, even there the prosecution of rape is actually fairly rare. Mm. He could have been back in Australia living his best life without having spent X number of yeah. years in an Ecuadorian embassy. Going slowly crazy from the sounds of things. Yes, and getting lung mm. disease. Yes. Oh, well, something less contentious. What have we got next? Oh, Israel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you use WhatsApp on your phone? I because do. Because if you do, you might want to think twice. I mean, I have WhatsApp on my phone as well. It turns out that... A particular company called NSO, which is an Israeli com company, has been exploiting a vulnerability in WhatsApp that allowed them to infect phones with advanced spyware called Pegasus, developed by NSO. Josh, tell me about how this vulnerability works. I have no idea. It's in the notes, but yeah. it's a buffer overflow in the uh, voiceover IP stack, which allows remote coding. Actually, I do know what a buffer overflow is. That's where there's uh, th there aren't checks that when you put a set of information into a certain bit of memory, it doesn't check to see whether or not the information you're putting in there is longer than the allowed space, which means you can put more information, which means it spills over into, into another area of the memory. And so if you're very clever, you code injection. Mm, you can stick a bit of code where it shouldn't be and so on and so forth. Anyway. And yeah. I, I know about all the stuff because it's the main way that you put homebrew onto consoles. Ah, you find a way to a get an overflow right. to then those do a code injection and then you can, if you do it the right way, unlock the console and boom, homebrew. Mm. So there you go. There is a buffer. They found a buffer overflow. And what's, so, it's, so it's not that um, WhatsApp itself is spyware or anything. That's just no, a vulnerability yeah, has been discovered yeah. in WhatsApp, which and is allowed. And this company has used this to spy on others. Now, it's important to note NSO is a group that produces spyware themselves and works with law enforcement agencies. So basically, they've found a way to put their spyware onto people's phones, which they are claiming they're only doing for legal purposes. So law enforcement agencies have said, we want to tap into X or Y, and then NSO goes, well, we've got an exploit that will allow, allow you to do this. What's disturbing about this is that targets, i.e. people that the code injection is working uh, to infect, don't need to answer a call, you just need to do the initial call. It'll cause the overflow, and then the calls often just disappear from log. Mm. So there's no way to then itself. go, oh, there's a strange phone number, what's that about? It's quite possible to have an infected phone without ever realizing your phone has been infected. Mm. Um, and an interesting, I just read this morning, uh, Grinder, also the gay Tinder, I guess you call it, um, Which is where it comes from, gay tinder, grinder. But where does the R come from? <laughs> Your mother. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, apparently it's there, there's a bit of contention around grinder as well because now it's apparently wholly owned by a Chinese company and people are worried about the fact that grinder, you know, it, you, you put in quite a lot of, of um, personal information and in some cases very personal information. Like a photo of your penis. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a worry that uh, the Chinese government is a lot less shy about compelling companies to hand over what data they have and so on and so on. Um, 
on... So you're saying the Chinese government is collecting photos of penises? It's entirely possible. Well, it, it, gets, it gets into uh, more disquieting territory when it comes to the fact that um, it's known that uh, in the US plenty of gay servicemen or servicemen and women and people in the military uh, have been known to use Grindr. And so they're, 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 they're phrasing it more nicely, but essentially they're... The US is suggesting that uh, being gay could be a national security risk if you're in the military, which has got people worrying about the whole, um, you know, what they don't do, don't ask, don't tell anymore, do they? You're allowed to be openly gay in the military, yes, in the US military. You just can't be trans in the military, mm. that's gone Haven't away. gone that far yet, yeah. Well, no, so well, sorry, they, they did they go did, that from the... And then they took yeah, it sorry, back. when I say they haven't gone that far yet, they haven't gone as far as uh, going back to say don't ask, don't tell or anything Although, like that. Although, I mean, but, there, is, there is a suspicion that's going to happen mm, as well. Mm. So, yeah, and this this people didn't look quite like the the insinuation that um uh yes because because China owns grinder uh being on grinder and therefore being gay if in the military is a security risk which... well there's also the worry that in particular countries whether or not you're a service person or not where there's a social stigma around mm. particular sexual orientations or gender identities. This is the kind of information that could be weaponized by well, yes. foreign power yeah. for spying purposes, or, getting a bit of leverage. Mm, yeah, black, blackmail was the... Blackmail's an ugly word, uh, and it came up in that article. It did. So, yeah, if you're using WhatsApp, please be aware that if you're doing particular things, you might be spied upon. One now, would hope a patch will come out fairly quickly now that this has been made public. But Yes, although the question now, of course, is we've found one exploit. Mm. The question is how many more exploits there are. And the code base for WhatsApp is private. It's not open, open or accessible. And, of course, this is one of the arguments that open software advocates put forward, which is when you have a code base which is closed you don't know how many exploitable features there are out there because you can't inspect the code base. So mm. we've found one exploit which suggests that there's a little bit of lazy or bad coding in WhatsApp to begin with. There may well be more than one, and we don't really know. It's one of those unknown unknowns. Mm. We don't know how many exploits there are out there. We've found one... Mm. There could be more. Yes. Yes, so it's all a bit of a worry. Um, something, I was going to say something lighter. There's certainly a fair amount of schadenfreude here, but um, I don't know if it's if it's as funny as it initially appears. So you, you were probably aware that there was a fund on, there, there was a campaign on GoFundMe to build the wall in the States when it seemed... It was the, a, we the people mm. will build the wall. They ran a crowdfunder which got them a whopping $21 million US, which was then to be used to build that wall that Donald Trump had promised, but that pesky Congress was not going to allow mm. to be built, so we, the people, would build the wall, with the breaking of ground meant to be happening on May 1st. Now it's after May the 1st. It so, is. Um, it's all we've, all we've, we've, had, we've had many days since mm. May, May the 1st. May the 4th has already been. It has. May the 5th. Mm. May the 6th. I could go on. <laughs> until what number? Uh, well, until the 19th, which is what today is. But um, yes, no, the, the, the point I'm alluding to is that ground has not yet been broken 
on any citizen-initiated wall building, as far as I'm aware. But a luxury yacht has been purchased. Yes. Uh, Brian, I don't know how to pronounce that name, Colfage. Sounds um, good to me. It'll do. Uh, yeah, bought himself a million-dollar yacht, uh, which, which, which is an interesting thing to happen when you're in charge of a campaign that people have been giving millions of dollars to and you now, didn't appear to have millions of dollars initially? Some of you might be thinking, well, maybe you already had money in the bank, but Brian Colfage is also fairly famous for having lost a lot of money because of Facebook. So his online business basically stuttered and died because of the Facebook marketplace. So he's not someone who's thought to have the kind of money he can splash out on a million dollar yacht. And so people are a little bit suspicious that the person who ran the crowdfunding drive for a wall that doesn't appear to be being built has bought a luxury yacht. Mm. So yeah, there's, there's a fair amount of glee among the left of saying, oh look, all these, these sucker MAGA-wearing hat people giving their monies to, to, to build this imaginary wall uh, have just fallen for a scam artist. But I mean, it is people giving up their savings and, and getting taken advantage of by some manner of con person, which, uh, you know, even if you don't agree with them, it's still a, a little bit of a shit thing to happen. It is, although I have to say I, I feel very little sympathy towards people who want well, to build a wall. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. No, I don't, don't know about sympathy, but it's still... Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to go, hooray, ha-ha, sucks to them, just because the, the, the victims of this con man are of a different political persuasion. Yes, but it does appear that maybe Brian Colfage has spent money that was meant to go towards building a wall for buying a boat, which is a little bit L. Ron Hubbard, truth be told. It is actually, yeah. Because he went off and bought a fleet of boats, taking mm. money from Jack Parsons. Par so, you know, it turns out that certain people, when given money and a job to do, will just we'll buy just a buy boat instead. Boat. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, their flagship boat is, was, was, was a bit of a plague boat, as we talked about yes. last week or the week yeah. before, I can't remember. Filled with illness. Mm, mm. So let this be a lesson somehow. Yes, Magna heading wet. Wet? Wet. Wet wearers. Mm. <laughs> I think I was going to go wet hearers. Wet hearing. Um, mm are likely to get the plague if they bought a boat. Yes. That's, that just follows from exactly mm -hmm. what we just discussed. Yep, a life lesson all around. Now, I guess that this next one is kind of related to a couple of the things we're talking before, because we're talking about the White House. We're also talking about social media. Um, so now th this is official, right? This is an official White House thing? Yes, and I, I, I did check yeah. this, so I went to the page in question. And yes, it very yep. much so is the, the real. White House has officially launched a tool for social media censorship complaints. So not not complaining about being bullied on social media, but complaining about being blocked or banned or deplatformed deplatformed on yes. social media. And if you go to the page, it's the fir the first page, the the the, flat, the la landing, landing page, page landing page, launch page, but that's mm, not quite right. Not quite. Goes. Social media platforms, all caps, should advance, all caps, freedom of speech. Yet too many Americans have seen their accounts suspended, banned, or fraudulently reported for unclear violations, that's in quotes, of user policies. No matter your views, if you suspect political bias cause such an action to be taken against you, share your story with President Trump. Mm. 
And I mean, there, ha there have been cases of people of a, a leftward persuasion being banned for what seemed like silly, spurious, or at least inconsistent uh, reasoning. Yeah, in fact, uh, Emily Gorensky, who's a researcher who looks at kind of online radicalization, I believe people tried to get her banned for pointing out that during World War II we killed Nazis. Mm. So there have been those cases, but the main narrative that we tend to see is more um, alt-right type person is, is uh, harassing or bullying on Twitter, gets banned, and then starts the complaining things, about their freedom of speech. For example, all trans people should die, mm. and then you get a complaint, and then they get a 12-hour ban, and then suddenly that's contravention of freedom of speech. Mm. So that that seems to be what this thing, especially coming from the, the particularly alt-righty White House administration, that seems to be the, more the scenario it's aimed at. Um, so I, I understand there were some, some slightly interesting standouts on the page itself. Yeah, now, this isn't in any way conspiratorial, but it does speak to the kind of audience this petition was aimed at. So... To submit the form, you have to fill in a capture to prove that you are not a robot. And the capture asks for the date that the Declaration of Independence was signed. Mm. Now, Josh, you and I are not American citizens, and thus are not au fait with the date that is the signing of the, the year that the mm. Declaration of Independence was signed. Give me a guess as to when it was signed. Um... 17-something. Can you be, can you just give me four digits? One, seven... One, seven, nine, six. If you put that in, you'd be correct. Give me another four-digit number. Nine, eight, two, seven. Put that in, you'd be correct. Give me another four-digit number. This is getting, I, I see where you're going. We could keep this up literally. I was only going for one more. Okay, uh, one, two, three, four. Would also be great. It turns mm. out you can put any four-digit number into that capture, and that is when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Good, I suppose. Now, that doesn't say much at all, and yet at the same time does seem to indicate that they really want your response, but they're not particularly concerned that you'll actually look up that information. Also, you can't submit a form unless you're a citizen of the US, which is understandable on one level, that you could understand that maybe people like ourselves might decide to troll the form by putting information in there, but at the same time, you might be, say, a green card holder or someone who's a permanent... 1776, there we go, I just looked it up now. A permanent... See, so easy to do So as well. easy to do, yeah. Or a permanent resident of the United States who is also concerned about these things and you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be allowed to submit the information. Now, what makes this creepy is that when you get to the end, the fine print says, we want to keep you posted on President Trump's fight for free speech. Can we add you to our email newsletters so we can update you without relying on platforms like Facebook and Twitter? It turns out the petition is largely an information gathering exercise and mm. that it's designed to basically get a large email listing for President Trump, which contains your age, 
your I'm about to say your date of birth. But basically That's kind of the, the same age. thing. Well, yes. I suppose you, I mean, you put down a, a year mm. without actually putting down a date of birth, name, and a lot of privately identifiable information, including the question, "Are you a U.S. citizen?" Which arguably also might allow people to generate a list of people you might suspect might be illegally living in the US. Mm. So it seems to be a rather creepy information gathering exercise designed to rely on the outrage of a certain class of person who is really annoyed that they've been deplatformed by a social media algorithm, and yet seems to be designed to have easy access for the president to get himself re-elected by working on that rage, mm. by emailing people who are going to go, yes, I am one of the deplorables. So d does it actually say anything on the page itself about what is supposedly going to happen? Not like at it's, all. it's just Trump wants to hear your stories. Yes. It doesn't say that we're going to we'll do anything about it. No, or not at all. There's no we'll there's talk, no, have a there's word no with Twitter. In inclination that they're going to do anything. They just want your stories, but also your private information as mm. well. So again, some, some something that resembles somewhat of a scam being played upon members of Donald Trump's support base, kind of by Donald Trump's people. Yeah, and we mm. often don't do Trump-related news as well you know, podcast listeners, because we kind of burnt ourselves yes. out on Trump, basically the beginning of last year. Mm. And at some point we do have to talk about the Mueller report, but we'll yeah, get around to that eventually. I suppose... I mean, I'm actually more keen to read a book by Kerry Bolton about how the Illuminati control the world than I am to actually sit down and read the Mueller report, truth be told, despite the fact the Mueller report is a much more important text. Mm. Which one's Kerry Bolton? Is he the local guy? Yeah, yes. the local alt-right scholar. Right. Oh, well, do it and we can, we can make a book review out of an episode. We can. Mm. Oh, oh, the terror I will have reading that book. Mm. So... That's all the news we had down for this episode, and given that the news was the content of that episode, this is kind of the end of this episode. Unless, of course, you're a patron, mm. at which point there's some bonus news coming up, which is largely about the racism going on at the University of Auckland and related issues about gun control mm. in this country. So that's the bonus content for patrons who are paying even just a dollar a month to listen to us go on about news that you, standard listeners, don't get to hear. Mm. But until then, uh, for the rest of you, I guess we'll just say, see you next week. Wink. Wink indeed, Ulrika. Wink indeed. Mm. been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy starring josh addison and dr mrx dentin which is written research recorded and produced by josh and m you can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its podbean or patreon campaigns and if you need to get in contact with either josh or m you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their twitter accounts monkey fluids and conspiracism
And remember, it's just a step to the left.